I think they're in it. If they're aware of that, they're at a good point because they're actually starting to reflect. And I think this is something that we often don't do. We may be unhappy, but we like to think of ourselves perhaps as pos- maybe as positive people who push on, or we're kind of maybe just so immersed in our unhappiness and if, if you're like me, spending a bit of time moaning and so forth. But if we're actually going, nah, I, I'm feeling this way, but I've got to do something about it because I'm going to be in this job. You're at a kind of good point because you're at that point of stopping and reflecting. And really, I think that's the first step, the stopping and reflecting. And, you know, I I want to do differently. So that would be, you know, I'd encourage them at that point. That's a really, really good start. And then what I would encourage them to do is to really Think about what it is that they don't like so much about what's going on. Because again, we overlook these things. We know we're not feeling that great, but we just go, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. I'll just push on, keep going. But actually really taking the time to think about, well, what doesn't work for them? And then explore and using that to explore, well, how would I like it to be different? I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. Have you heard of the Great Resignation or the Big Quit? These are the informal names given to the widespread trend where a significant number of employees are leaving their jobs during the COVID-19 pandemic. While most news articles are covering the great resignation in relation to the United States, the problem is happening on a global level. And it's thought to be a result of many different factors, but most importantly, employees' dissatisfaction with the current working conditions and a post-COVID reassessment of the lack of career and home life integration. This month in the United States, according to reports by Guardian, 2.9% of the workforce quit their jobs. Nearly 1.2 million jobs were left open in the United Kingdom in the most recent quarter, with 15 of 18 sectors reporting record numbers. People cite all kinds of reasons for quitting. They want better work-home life balance, they want more challenges, better working conditions, more meaning and fulfillment from the work they undertake. But for employees who are left behind, and even those who want to make the move but are worried that they're trading one job they hate for another, it's really important to understand how can we love the jobs that we're in. Joining us on today's episode is Dr. Catherine Aula, a happiness at workplace coach who will share her research findings and advice for how we can enjoy the jobs we're in and have a meaningful career. There's so much research that shows a causal link between happiness and productivity. Oxford University researchers conducted a six-month study of 1,800 call centre employees and they found that those that were happy worked faster, got more done and achieved 13% higher sales than their unhappy colleagues. But since the pandemic, worryingly few of us are feeling happy at work. In fact, individual contributors and middle managers are burned out and they're even more likely to look for a new job in the coming year. That's according to the Employee Experience Trends Report for 2022 by Qualtrics. That report finds that 5% fewer people are planning to stay at their current job than was the case for 2021. In 2021, 82% intended to stick with their job in the coming few years, but that's down to 69% for next year. 
women in middle management jobs are three times more likely to look for a new job. Here, Catherine shares why some people love their jobs and others struggle to make it through the working day. This has been something that I've been fascinated myself to discover over the years because, of course, I want to enjoy my work too, where it works so much of the time. I've done a range of research over the years. Initially, I started looking at what workplace could do to support their employees to have fun and enjoyment at work. And what I was finding when I was talking to individuals, I'd come across some really amazing individuals who seem to always enjoy their work despite what their workplaces do. And so a few years ago, I had the opportunity to do research with a group of such individuals who claim to have had fun in pretty much any job they've ever held. Uh, And they are a group of people who range from their 30s to their 60s in terms of age. So there was a lot of work experience. So I was really curious to find out from them, you know, what is the secret of always enjoying your work? How do you do that? In the first instance, it was it was a little bit opaque because I I was really wanting them to talk about these strategies, you know, what do they do? But it was interesting that as individuals, initially, they couldn't quite say, they just knew they were a little bit different from other people uh, and they could often enjoy their work when others couldn't. So I had to kind of really look at the interview transcripts afterwards. And what was really interesting, I guess, ultimately what I found that those people had in common was a sense of kind of an inherent sense of control over the situations they found themselves in. Often when people are quite unhappy at work, I find the people I work with are feeling very, very stuck. What can I do? It feels like you can't even imagine a future. But these people seem to inherently know that they had some power, some control, and they could make change, even if it was just really small in the moment or perhaps more substantial, I need to talk to my manager kind of change. But they knew that they could make change. So really, that was a big part of what those people had in common. Initially, when I spoke to people, they couldn't quite say how they always had fun at work. But when I looked further, I was able to identify that, yes, they had a sense of power and control in their situation. And that led to them making small changes but they couldn't really articulate that themselves at first until we really explored. So what I concluded was that that in some ways that behaviour was habitual for them. They might not even be conscious. So, for example, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to just get out of the office and go for a walk. Or I'm feeling a little bit bored in this task I'm doing now. I'm going to get my email that has those emails I collected Uh, from people who appreciated me and I'm going to read those right now to cheer myself up, that sort of thing. So little actions they took, but it was kind of habitual rather than saying, oh, this is what I do, these are my strategies. And so what I would say for those of us who may not have that natural skill, if you can call it that, to take those actions when we need to all the time is to learn from those people. So for them, perhaps that had become a habit or been something they they learnt or just was part of kind of who they were. But I think we too can learn from that. So when we are not that happy at work, we can feel really stuck. 
And we also, being the sorts of people we are, we might, you know, we want to be work hard and we might kind of just push on, you know, push through, maybe it'll get better. But it's taking that opportunity to actually stop and go, oh, I'm not feeling that great today. Or actually, over the last few weeks, I've been feeling really stressed in this situation. So it really take the opportunity to stop and think about, well, how might I normally habitually respond in this way? Can I do it differently? So in that way, we can learn from them and perhaps create some, some new habits. It's really hard to feel like you have any control over your job when you work in a culture that's always on, where you have to be online or in the office for extended periods of time. For example, the report found that overall people are not thrilled with remote technology options or even the in-person working experience. Only 30% of survey respondents said their company's technology exceeds their expectations and only 23% said working conditions in their office exceed their expectations. The survey found that superfluous benefits like mental health apps or a week off are simply not enough to ease burnout or stop the great resignation. The real solution, according to the report, is doing the hard work to address the root cause of the problem, which is a toxic culture that rewards workplace presenteeism over self-care. We need to throw out the old playbook and create a workplace that works for everybody. Here, Catherine shares why people are resigning and what matters most when it comes to our career satisfaction. A lot of people have been probably just kind of keeping going through whatever's been going on and got to this point that they're really thinking about what's important to me, what are my values. I had been at a point in my dream job that had turned my kind of dreaded job. I had ultimately made that decision to leave because I was feeling so miserable and I couldn't quite work out what to do. Yes, it gave me that sense of control. In the first instance, I didn't feel miserable anymore. But there were other implications for me in terms of one of them being in terms of my career. Why do we do it? What's happening there? I've been working in this space for, for some time, but over the last year or so, I have moved into the coaching space. And earlier this year, I did some market research to assist me with the growth of my business. And I talked to a range of people who were feeling unhappy at work, frustrated, bored, stressed, overwhelmed. A, a lot of the experiences that people are having in, in terms of this great resignation. And it was really interesting. So in the first instance, I talked to them about well, what was going on for them, what were they feeling, what were the problems they were having. And, you know, there's a whole range of things from overwhelm, overwork, collegial relationships, management that wasn't, you know, guiding them and perhaps in the way they thought, these sorts of things. And we talked about why that was an issue and so forth. And when we really dug deep, what came out was that, you know, why these things bother us, you know, there might be a lot of stress and so forth, but actually what people really wanted uh, at work was the joy that you've mentioned, but also a sense of purpose. And I thought this was really interesting because I think I personally have been very always driven quite strongly by a sense of purpose. But to see this really be a commonality in the people that I was talking to, and I think that this is really important to us as human beings. And perhaps what happens when we're under a lot of pressure, 
we may be working in environments where maybe we're just not feeling this is quite us, our values are aligned or not feeling so aligned. We have perhaps there's tensions, there's stress, collegial issues, that sort of thing. What's happening really is that these things are getting in the way of our sense of joy, but also our sense of purpose. We're wanting to be being used well, using our time well, contributing, and these things are kind of getting in the way of that. We just maybe decide this is not me, this is not life, (laughs) because if you don't have that sense of purpose, is this the life I want to live? And then wanting to change that to, to perhaps find a way to regain that sense of purpose. Catherine's research has been published in Cambridge University Press in 2019. Her study finds that people who are happy in their jobs have a sense of control over their own happiness at work, and that's evident in four different ways. First, people who love their jobs place a priority on fun. Second, these people also have a sense of responsibility for their own fun. Third, they have a positive orientation to the world, that is, they're generally optimistic. And lastly, they have a sense of mastery and enjoy the challenge in work tasks. So if you're feeling stuck in a rut, it might be helpful to think about which of these elements you're missing to better understand why you've fallen out of love with or perhaps even hate your job at the moment. In fact, Catherine says the starting point for changing your career is becoming aware that you're unhappy so that you can explore what's missing in your current role. I think they're in a if they're aware of that, they're at a good point because they're actually starting to reflect. And I think this is something that we often don't do. We may be unhappy, but we like to think of ourselves perhaps as positive people who push on, or we're kind of maybe just so immersed in our unhappiness and if, if you're like me, spending a bit of time moaning and so forth. But if we're actually going, nah, I, I'm feeling this way, but I've got to do something about it because I'm going to be in this job. You're at a kind of good point because you're at that point of stopping and reflecting. And really, I think that's the first step, the stopping and reflecting. And, you know, I I want to do differently. So that would be, you know, I'd encourage them at that point. That's a really, really good start. And then what I would encourage them to do is to really Think about what it is that they don't like so much about what's going on. Because again, we overlook these things. We know we're not feeling that great, but we just go, oh, well, there's nothing we can do about it. I'll just push on, keep going. But actually really taking the time to think about, well, what doesn't work for them? And then explore and using that to explore, well, how would I like it to be different? I mean, it kind of sounds simple, but actually taking the time to do that. How do I want it to be different? And then I take a job crafting approach with them. So it's really looking at, okay, this is how I want to be. This is what how I want to sort of show up in the world. This is how I want to be experiencing my life in the workplace. And then we start to explore together what are some of the things in terms of tasks? What are some of the things in terms of relationships? What are some of the things perhaps in terms of how we can start to look at those difficult emotions and difficult thoughts that they might be having and start to work with that? On one of our previous podcast episodes, our guest Dane Jensen shared the importance of viewing life as a game of fortunately, unfortunately, where no matter what situation is thrown at you, you can see how this ultimately led you to a better outcome. Holding a positive outlook is how we maintain hope, which is critical to finding meaning in the work that we do, no matter how difficult it is. Here, Catherine closes our interview by sharing the importance of hope. 
what I really like to leave people with is a sense of hope. One of the things that came out in my research with these people that pretty much always have fun in any job they have is that they actually seem to be quite inherently hopeful because they believe that when something's not going so well at work, you can take some action, you know, something can be done. So they're inherently hopeful. And I do believe that too. I believe that very strongly, that there's always something that can be done. And we do have the power to have hope. If you're a leader, the great resignation should be keeping you awake at night for two important reasons. First, the reasons why employees are leaving, as detailed in the Qualtics report, are not factors that can be fixed overnight. Changing culture takes time and deliberate action. Second, as more employees leave, the fight for talent will make it harder for leaders to hold on to their key people. So what can you do to avoid or stem the flow of people leaving your organisation? To tackle the particular challenges associated with the Great Resignation, the Qualtrics report recommends that managers take these steps to improve employee well-being in 2022. First, practice what you preach. Leaders need to be seen working reasonable hours, taking personal time and treating their mental and physical health as a priority. Second, talk about mental health. Employees say that the number one thing holding them back from taking care of their own mental health is that leaders don't talk about it enough at work. Lastly, encourage a culture of well-being. Build a structure around how, where and when work gets done, as well as good habits around taking time off. The author Dan Pink argues that to ensure a motivated workforce, organisations and leaders should focus on their people's drive to be autonomous, self-determined and connected. The most motivated employees will be those who work in environments which allow them to direct what they do themselves, learn and do new things and contribute both to their business and the outside world. So look for ways to build these elements into your team's day-to-day -day working lives. These are all simple practices that every leader can take to ensure the people who work for them don't hate their jobs and perhaps even enjoy them. Thank you so much for tuning into our episode today. If you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.